summer bounty of good news for Anderson County. Meanwhile, Anderson University continues to grow. We have a historic Anderson Church and a pair of local businesses celebrating big birthdays this past week. And the pandemic continues to be a challenge to healthcare workers and the hospital and ICU is full and all that kind of stuff. All this and more on this edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. Well, over the past week, Anderson County announced 236 new jobs, tens of millions of dollars in economic investment, and more than a quarter million in grant money to help those who serve our friends and neighbors who need a little extra help. And this news is on the heels of the statistics showing that Anderson County residents are currently employed at a higher rate than any time since stats started. That's the most people we've ever had employed, and obviously some of that's due to the growth in population figures. But unemployment continues to slide downward, even though the pandemic economy is not fully recovered. So that's more good news. And County Council also gave final approval to the unified EMS system, which will go live September 1st. I'm going to have a lot more on this next week. But look to the look for those new vehicles on the road by the middle of the week those qrvs quick response vehicles and you're going to start seeing them show up around and they're promising much better coverage of the county for folks who have need of transportation to the hospital or immediate medical care and on friday anderson county did announce that series of grants and they're going to benefit a lot of those who serve our community one of those is the rainbow gang it was a virtual rainbow gang grant and it provided online recreational opportunities for local folks with physical or mental disabilities in our special populations program. They received $20,000 for that work. And I've interviewed their director and, and talked to some of the adults that are involved in that program. It is an amazing program, and that's money well spent. Another $65,000 is going to go to Harvest Food Bank, $30,000 for mental health first aid for first responders, first responders, $40,000 to Foothills Alliance, which helps uh, the victims of uh, physical and mental abuse. 40,000 veterans groups such as Upstate Warrior Solutions and a grant that could help those getting into the workforce who do not have access to transportation. Uh, I'll have more on this next time, but that $50,000 grant for the Ride to Work Anderson program is designed to provide transportation to those who are not only without jobs and looking for them, and transportation is obviously a barrier, but particularly those who did not work first shift or have access to bus service. Uh, it will be administered by the South Main Mercy Chapel, which is already a hub for helping those in need. Uh, and we really are looking forward to them being able to do that. And like I said, I'll be talking to to Kurt Stutler about that more in the next podcast. I did catch up with Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns for our monthly update, which included some of this news, plus updates on a number of county projects, including the Courthouse Square property, census finding, recreation, and a lot more.
All right, let's start with good news. Last night, uh, County Council announced 236 new jobs and millions in new investment. Um, and wages for most of these companies are north of $20 an hour. Is this just uh, more to come? I mean, it seems like every council meeting there's some new company coming in, expanding jobs. Uh, what's, what's this a bellwether, Rusty? There's, there's a whole lot of activity in economic development. You're right about last night, Top Edge, the press release just came out on that. That's a nice company. They make trusses. That's going to be in the Townville area. We're really proud about that. Then you have the Plastic Omnium expansion, and that's about 120 jobs, pay about $29 an hour. We're really excited about that. Uh, we also had first reading on, uh, well, we also finished up another solar farm here in Anderson County, which they don't provide any jobs, but it's another added thing for our solar system. And not the big solar system, but our little solar system. <laughs> and here. fifty million more dollars, or and fifty uh, million more dollars. I mean, the taxes on that or property. Sixty-eight million, man. I'm trying sixty-eight, to I think. Yeah. But the taxes on that were around uh, twenty-seven hundred dollars a year, and now they're going to be uh, much, much more than that. So that's going to be good for the uh, county's bottom line. And they're passive; they don't bother anybody. And a lot of these things help a lot of landowners stay on their land, keep land in the family. And they do have a time limit when they expire, and then the people have to come back and remove all that. So we did that last night. We have more coming, uh, a lot more job announcements coming. Uh, we finally know, you know, the name of the hydrophonic plant company. And if you ever happen to go to the grocery store and you go over and look in the herb section and you look for that uh, label on there that says tasty, that's who they are. And... Uh, they sell it at most every grocery store around here, a whole variety of herbs. So we're really happy about that. Last night, after a long process, council voted on an historic partnership with ANMED. ANMED and the county are joining together to place QRVs, quick response vehicles, all over the county, which will be manned by paramedics. And this is going to be just a wonderful situation. ANMED is putting in $1.4 million. We are placing these all over the county. We're going to be going into a lot of fire stations, and we're excited about that. <clears throat> and we think it's really going to make a difference in health care in Anderson County because these people are top of the line, and they will be there probably first. And we're really happy about that. But what we're also hoping is they become more of a community-based paramedic where they can go check on Uncle Joe. Is he taking his medication? I just got out of the hospital. Uh, I'm not feeling so good. Let's go check it out. Try to prevent multiple hospital visits. And so we're really excited about that. Council approved that last night. Council's very excited about it. Uh, again, we're excited about that partnership with ANMED. And they're adding ambulances and uh, these QRVs you're talking about? Well, the QRVs are going to be quick response vehicles. They're going to be Tahoes and things like that. We're the people who are going to get there first, just about 95% of the time, and get there and try to stabilize you, check out the situation. They also approved a contract last night with MedShore, who are going to be basically the ambulance service. So, A, the county will get there, stabilize you. Do you need to go ride in that ambulance? Is an ambulance even necessary? And if so, then you will be carried to the hospitals by MedShore. And so that's going to be another huge component. 
and I just think this is going to, it's going to double the amount of emergency personnel available in Anderson County. We're going to have, a, we're going to set up at Fork Rescue Squad. We're setting up at Whitefield uh, Fire Department, Shatter Fire Department. Uh, all over the county, these vehicles are going to be there. And it's just going to be a great thing for this. I think we're going to be twice as safe as we were before because of the number of emergency personnel on the road. And we're wrapping these vehicles in a special wrap that we've done in cooperation with ANMED. They're really going to be distinctive. You're going to know what it is when you see it. So That's been talked about a long time, this unified. This EMS. unified has been talked about for 30 years. And so finally, council uh, voted on it last night, and uh, it's going to become a reality, and we're going to make it a success. So that's big-time stuff. That's big news. Have you had, had any, any updates on how the county can use pandemic relief funds that are coming? Well, y yes, we do, but we know it's that we can use it for water and sewer. We can use it for some recreation. The final rules haven't come down. Even the final rules or the semi-final rules that came down have changed. But those things, infrastructure and replacing money lost by counties and cities during the uh, coronavirus outbreak, which is going back up right now as we speak, I would probably tell you there's 75 people at ANMED right now with the coronavirus and probably at least 14 in the ICU right now. Well, is the county thinking about masking up in buildings and stuff? Is there any move? Right now, we're just monitoring the situation, and uh, that's where we are right now, looking at that situation. 1,600 new cases in the last two weeks, and uh, um, so right now you have made a decision about that. What's no. emergency management doing to prepare for what could be a really scary fall? Same thing we did in the past. If we need a protective equipment, things like that, if we need to go assist a plant to stay open, just whatever we can do and provide information, provide the counts, but... We're ready to go. If anything needs to be ramped up, we can do that. We can spin that up in just a. We can spin that up in a day. That's how good they are over there. So this time I have to wait on ordering equipment. Everything's in place. No, no, we're good. And everything's ready we're to go. We're good. We're good to go. Uh, the uh, other thing council talked about last night was they finalized details on the uh, conservation development guidelines for subdivisions. Why has so much time been devoted to that? Well. What they're trying to do, what council wanted to do, is to provide another way to develop property in Anderson County. They're trying to get away from so much of a cookie cutter subdivision. And what this does, it actually reduces the lot sizes that you can build on, but it increases the amount of green space that is available in those subdivisions. It makes them prettier and more attractive, but it's also an incentive for the developer Instead of having to go to a large lot, they can do a smaller lot, but because you have all of this green space, you in essence have a huge front yard, backyard, and side yard. So that's why it's exciting. We also believe it will bring down development cost because there's no reason to do a conservation subdivision that nobody's going to do because at the end of the day, a developer's not going to build anything if they're not going to make, make any money. So it's just another tool and a very exciting tool that Anderson County has for people wanting to develop in Anderson County. The other thing they passed last night was the private road ordinance, which has also been discussed for a long time. And what this will do, in a lot of cases you'll have a family, say the family farm, and everybody's moved away. But you want to keep some of the family farm, but maybe you want to 
let some of that on the road be developed. Well, this gives that homeowner, that property owner, the right to sell off those lots on the road in a strictly controlled environment. And it makes it really easier on families if you want to look at it. It's a, it's a family-friendly development tool. So council's been working on that for a long time. So those are two new things in land use that we have available now. That conservation also helps with runoff and It helps water with issues. water runoff. It helps with, with a multitude of issues, but it's a good piece of legislation. Uh, the census numbers are finally coming in, and they show the county has more than 204,000. Do you think that's a good count? I, I think everybody in the United States always thinks the census is undercounted. And as you know, we're still waiting on the definitive final numbers in September. But we've said for about five or six years we thought it would be 204,000, and so it came in at 204,000. It's probably more than that. And from when the census was completed to where we are now, I know we've had another 1,000 people move into the county, but, but we're going to deal with that and work with that. But we're, we're almost 10% growth in Anderson County. That's good. If you look across the state and even look at some of our neighbors, they're losing population. But Oconee, Pickens, Anderson, Greenville, Spartanburg, booming, booming in this area. The, the only area that seemed to be shrinking a little bit is the Star Iva area. Is there any sort of strategic plan in the works to help them grow? Well, you know the hydrophonic plant we put down there is in that district. There are probably a thousand jobs that you can get and live in Star and Iva right now, well-paying jobs. And I think that as we've talked before, you're seeing that development started in Powdersville. It's going towards Piedmont. It's going towards Belton. It's even get, it's a beginning to touch honey a path, and I believe that area is going to grow. And I think the people forget the proximity of Iva and Star to, to multiple lakes. That that's something people don't. Well, think they about. call themselves the the gateway to the lakes, and it, it's they're right there with all the lakes. Lake Secession, that's really Iva's lake, and then you have Lake Hartwell and you have Lake Russell. I mean, it's a beautiful place. And that part of the county is absolutely beautiful. And you're getting people moving down there, but they're buying three, four, and five acres and they're building homes down there. It's affordable too for those and kind of... It's affordable. It won't be affordable forever. The most interesting thing in the census to me was the jump in median income in the county from 39000 to 54000 uh, Is that, you think, due in part to the economic development strategy? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's in part. I know it's because of that. Uh, just used uh, Tommy Dunn as a marker when he came on council around 12 years ago. Our medium wage was, I mean, our median income is around 38000 Now it's fifty-two. Why is that? Because of manufacturing that's moved in and offering a better wage and a better life and a better career. And that's going to continue to go up. We're also very excited, and I've said this before, where our uh, average wage was around $13 an hour and now it's almost 21 That touches people. That makes people have a life. They can buy things, they can buy cars, they can take care of their kids. It's always about providing good jobs so people can take care of themselves. And we're going to continue doing that. You saw it last night. We've got more coming. We may have an economic development announcement every day for the rest of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, with plenty more coming. How does that median income spin out into the county and also make it attractive for people moving here? Well, when, you, when that income's up, you have more people who want to build a store here, more people who can afford to have a small business, more service industries. It's just good for everybody. But it's also good for people going to school and let's don't be on the free lunch program. Here's a chance for us to all rise together. I'm sorry. Increasing wages, median family income, 
that that's good for everybody in every way. Uh, the Senate says now they're expected to have the redistricting done by October. Uh, are we any closer to predicting how that's going to impact Anderson County? Very interesting because uh, I can pretty much tell you that Senator Cash's district will probably have to shrink and uh, Senator Gambrell's will probably have to increase. So you're going to see a whole lot of different line drawing. It just depends on where where they can go and how they can do it. But we're not too far behind from redistricting for county council That's what because we have some uh, significant changes there. And when we get those final numbers in September, we'll know what's what. But we already know right now that Councilman Jimmy Davis in Powdersville, geographically, his district will shrink. So, yeah, there's going to be some wobbling and moving around. But you do this every 10 years. How, how does the council redistricting work? Who, who sits down? And... Well, the state will do it for you, but we work with the state. And... Uh, what we try to do is, it has to be equal. It's not an arbitrary thing. You get 10,000, you get five. And you have to balance those numbers to make it work. And it's a juggling act. And so uh, we just work with it until we get something that's right and something that's fair to everybody. And it's a process. Yeah, it wasn't so dramatic last time, it didn't seem. No, but we've got those increase in population, which I'm saying is almost 20,000 you got some big things to move around. One of the other sort of uh, sideline big news items was we have the fastest growing town in the state. Yes, we, yes, we do. We have Pelzer that went from 89 to well over 1,000. But if you didn't know, that's because Pelzer uh, annexed a whole lot of property. So that's where that all of a sudden growth came from. But we're happy for that, and we're working with Pelzer to help them manage that new situation. So that's been good. But... There's been growth all over Anderson County. I just wondering if Mayor Will Ragnall would use that in his promotional efforts over there, fastest growing city in the... Well, he might very well. He, 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 he should brag about that. Right. As we move toward the end of the summer, we just talked about uh, the virus thing. Have y'all met on that? Have you met with David Baker or any of them to make any preparations? Or y'all just... Look, I'm members of council, and I talk to David Baker on a regular basis, and I talk with most everybody involved in that on a regular basis. Yes, we, we talk a lot, a whole lot. So that can just change if we have a huge spike somewhere. Like all those decisions can be made quickly. Y'all ready to move? We've already learned how to do that. Uh, the moratorium on evictions was pushed till the end of the year, which means a lot of people face literally being put out in the cold this time. Uh, but they're saying this is the final, last, never again extension. But we have a solution for a whole lot of people, and that's the millions of dollars we have that we're working with AIM for rent and a utility assistance. If you find yourself in that situation, call AIM, go to your computer, go to your smartphone, and there is assistance there to help you catch up and get a little bit ahead. It's a wonderful program. AIM makes it as easy as any program can be that involves federal regulations. So you should take advantage of that. Yeah, and that's, uh, they're still getting the word out, but people, for some reason, are just not digesting how serious this issue is. A lot of people don't seem to realize that. Well, there's no reason for you not to take that chance and to try and, and, and be made whole. Well, the days of summer are growing shorter. Uh, let's evaluate uh, Green Pond Landing for, in the Vent Center from so far this year. What, what do you think is happening in Green Pond and what's going to come soon out there? Well, the next biggest thing is going to be Bassmaster Classic. And they should be moving in the barge to begin work on the new pier. And the amphitheater is 90% complete. Uh, 
So we've got that going, but we're also very excited about the $350,000 that uh, Representative Westcox got for Dolly Cooper, and we're also excited about the $50,000 contribution from New Spring to build picnic facilities at Dolly Cooper. So we've got stuff going there. Last night, Council awarded uh, the contract to begin more work at Wellington Park, which I'm extremely excited about. It's going to be some unique and innovative things down there. It's going to be ADA accessible. So we're happy about that. But there's a whole lot of activity going in parks. We uh, f signed off yesterday on the final design for Kid Venture, the uh, project that Anderson County is doing, the City of Anderson, the Rotary Club, and Friends of the Park. And hopefully, if everything goes well, it will be a new Kid Venture there by Memorial Day. That's our goal. And so we're very excited about that. And I think we've got some things planned that people don't even won't even expect, but I know it's going to go over like gangbusters. So is we're it, happy about that. Is anybody going to uh, begin programming concerts and stuff out at the amphitheater at Green Pond? Or is that... Oh, yeah, we're talking about that when that gets ready. I think what I would like to see is Shakespeare by the lake. I'm trying to figure out how you have Shakespeare by the lake and then a boat goes by. But maybe we'll do the Tempest and you can work it in. You know, we don't know how we're going to do that. But, but not, definitely we want to have concerts out there. Speaking of the lake, that much-anticipated shores at Asbury has faced all sorts of regulatory management, weather, shipping challenges, and it looks like they may be on track to open in 2022 now. Uh, the county subleasing the, the core property to this development group, are they reporting progress regularly to you guys? Are y'all following up on what they're doing? Yes, we, we, we stay in close contact not only with them, but also with the Corps of Engineers. Because while the Corps of Engineers subleased it to us, they're still very much involved. So yes, we're on that. And we watch that closely to make sure they do it right, but also the, are they on time and all of that. Yes. Are y'all getting a lot of questions about it? I mean, people. We get a lot of questions on when's it going to open. Right. We want to go there. Any other news surrounding the lake? I know you're always looking at the lake for something else. Well, that and uh, it's continuing to be a cash cow for Anderson County and continues to bring people in here. But one other thing that we are very excited about that happened yesterday. And I give Steve Newton all the credit in the world for this. But we received a grant yesterday that's going to help a lot of our nonprofits because they fit the criteria. And our Rainbow Gang, where you know what our Rainbow Gang is, well, they did something nobody else had ever done. They went virtual last year during the pandemic. And we were written up all across the country because of their work, their, their brains. But we got a grant for $20,000 to assist them in that endeavor to make it even more so. So if the pandemic hits or somebody can't participate in those activities, they'll be able to participate remotely. The other thing we got, and I'm very excited about this, is in cooperation with South Main Mercy Center, we received $50,000 for the Ride to Work Anderson program. And it's a pilot program run out of the Mercy Center to help people get to work and back. And we think that's going to be a wonderful trial balloon before we do that countywide. But they're going to be awarded $50,000. How will that work? We've talked about ride to work stuff before. How, how will that work? They, I think, are looking to do it, you know, with individuals. But the Reverend Kurt Stutler, he could give you the facts and figures on that. Also, we were awarded $65,000 to help the Second Harvest Food Bank. 
We're very excited about that. Just can imagine all the people they can feed with that. Then another thing I'm extremely excited about is $30,000 for mental health first aid. Pandemic has caused a lot of problems, but it also revealed a lot of problems people have with mental health. You know, it's hard being alive sometimes, and hopefully this money can be used to assist people. The other thing that we got, and we did this through the United Way community partner thing, and Crossways Ministries Addiction Recovery is going to get 10000 Foothills Alliance Domestic Violence Sexual Assault Response Recovery Services, 40000 Hearts and Harmony, Equine Recreational Therapy. I'm happy about that. And $40,000 to Upstate Warrior Solutions for wellness activities. So we think that's just absolutely wonderful. And, and again, congratulate Steve Newton, who's always out there looking to see if there's any stray money and to make sure Anderson County gets their share. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up, that there's a lot of grant money out there that's going to go somewhere. And... Uh, is Steve the pump point person on looking to see find that money? Do people come and say, "Hey, we need money for this," or y'all just on always on the? the We're lookout? always on the lookout. I know some people say, "Well, grant money is not really grant money; it's taxpayer money." That is the gospel truth. But as long as they're going to put these programs out, we're going to make sure that Anderson County gets a high return on their dollar. I think two weeks ago, uh, we had like a two and a half million dollar week. That's money that we don't have to raise taxes. Now they're raising taxes somewhere but they're not raising taxes here. They have it in 13 years. But anytime we can find a way to get money to help people in Anderson County, we're going to do that because that's the only reason we're here. There's no other reason for the county government to exist other than to help people. So we're happy about that. Well, and the grants you just listed there were health care, workforce development. Uh, how to get to work. Yeah. How to uh, deal with your mental health. Yeah. How to get equine therapy. Working with and, special populations. And working with special populations. I mean, you know. That's what we're supposed to do. I mean, people think about grants, they talk about frivolous. They don't think about grant money being used for... Well, I mean, if $50,000 to help people eat, I don't think that's frivolous. I think that's a blessing. Well, Labor Day is two weeks away, and that means Celebrate Anderson is gearing up for a turn. If somebody has never been to Celebrate Anderson, tell them what they can expect. Well, you need to come out there, especially if you have small children. You need to come out there around 12 o'clock because we're going to have free kitty rides kitty rides we're not going to have the bullet and we're also going to have the return of balloons the balloons will return on saturday night before the sunday event so we will have balloons on the balloon launch field saturday night we will also have balloons all day that sunday and hopefully we're going to be offering tethered rides so then at five o'clock we're going to open up and our headliner is going to be john michael montgomery and that will take place. Then we will have about a 15-minute or 18-minute fireworks show from Zambelli. We're going to have a lot of other static displays. We're going to have food trucks. If you have a cooler and you want to bring your own food, please feel free to do so. And the cost of this is nothing. It costs nothing, not anything. And it is all outdoors. And we will have music playing from around 1230 until the real music starts in the amphitheater. T.L. Hannah Jazz Band will be back. Uh, we have the winner of the United Way's Anderson Idol. He's going to be there, too. So we're expecting a good, fun night outside, and we're all going to be safe and well and have a good time outside in the wonderful fresh air. Outside. Outside.
Any other news coming from the Civic Center in the next couple of months? Oh, we've got some concerts we're trying to nail down there after this, but that Civic Center is used every day of the week just about. Either we're having, last Saturday night we had Miss Anderson pageant. Uh, the night before, uh, the next night we, we've had the Farm Bureau with 500 people out there. So there's always something going on at the Civic Center. There's pickleball still. And, pickleball and is still the rage. If, if we built 85,000 pickleball courts, it wouldn't be enough. We're uh, going to put some at Dolly Cooper Park. We're looking to do some work. Councilman Davis is at Hurricane Springs Park. But, I mean, you can't build enough pickleball courts right now. You played yet? No, but I'm going to because I think I can do that. I've had to retire from basketball. <laughs> Maybe we should take up pickleball. I think pickleball. we should. Just no, no cameras. And... No cameras. Uh, I'm hoping one of these days you're going to surprise me when I ask you this question, but is there any progress on the courthouse square property? Still can't find anything that we like and thinking very seriously about turning it into the great lawn until something happens and thinking more on that every day because we can no longer continue to have the elephant pen with no elephants. No elephants. Yeah, if you had some elephants, you'd have something there. We, we would have something there, but I think that's what we're thinking about doing because it's just not the right time not the right design to put something there and everybody loves nice green open space would that take very long if y'all decided to put dirt in no it wouldn't take very long but it's not a flat area right and so we would have to do some work there but i think that would be nice but council seen a lot of things that want to go there and they're mm -hmm. they're just not right but there's a good chance maybe this year to turn it into green or we don't know oh it's going to happen this year okay uh, construction also continues on that walking track that'll go from the AnMed campus on 81 to the Civic Center. Uh, there still doesn't seem to be any any there still doesn't seem to be any visible work on the McConnell Springs Road side. Do you know when they'll start working on that side? Well, the intent was always to finish this side out near the Civic Center first before they really hit the other side, and that was always the intent. But I will tell you, one of the things the Mayor of Clemson, Councilman John Wright, us and the cities express some interest. Clemson has a very aggressive trail program, and we have eight miles of trail. People sometimes don't say, well, why don't y'all have a trail? Well, when this is finished from the Civic Center to 81, we'll have eight miles. But their Green Crescent Trail project, wouldn't it be wonderful if we stretched that all the way from the city of Anderson to Pendleton to Clemson to Central and all of that connected? We're going to have discussions on that coming up here pretty quick to see if we can make that happen. I believe if everybody pulled together, that would be very exciting. Well, that sounds like something that everybody would benefit from. Everybody would benefit. Everybody. Sandy Springs, La France, everybody would benefit from it. And it would, it would get massive use. So... We're not close, but we're talking, and we're talking real seriously So you just have to it. figure out where to put it, I guess, is the main, yeah. where that trail would go. Yeah, but there's a way. That would be one of the longer trails anywhere Yes, it would. And, of course, the city is trying to get all their trail system to connect to the Civic Center and everywhere else, yep. too. So, Just imagine that. Um, and, you know, that kind of, people love to get out and walk, and they love the trail thing. And I know one of the things that I know y'all have been, y'all are not directly involved in, but District 5's cross-country expansion out there oh we we we, we uh, are making contributions to that because they have an eighty thousand dollar sewer capacity fee that our council's not going to waive so that's money they won't have to pay and we're looking at other ways to make that happen because not only is that going to be good for 
Anderson County School District 5 and everybody else who goes to the Y. We also think it has great potential to uh, attract tourists here because as nice as it's supposed to be, I think you'll have people coming here for events, a whole lot of events. That's going to put money in our accommodations tax, put money in restaurants, put money in stores, and bring people to Anderson. And you would be amazed how many people come to Anderson to visit. I mean, there's a lot to do here. Sometimes we get jaded because we're here. Other people come here and they go, wow, this is really nice. And we kind of circle back around to this when we talk about economic development. These quality of life things we're talking about are far more important than a lot of people realize. Quality of life drives just about everything. People, companies don't move to a place where their employees have nothing to do. They're not going to send in a lot of talent where there's nothing to do. It doesn't matter what the roads are or anything and, else. I mean, what are we, what are we going to do? Uh, parents with young children, parents with old children, they want something for them to do. And I can't wait for Kid Venture to be reinvented and redone in a way that I think is going to amaze people. And this is phase one. Is there what is phase one and coming? It's to more. Than, it's more than phase one. We kind of making it phase one point oh two, and we're just seeing what the bids come in, but it's going to be eye opening. And there's a substantial amount of money being spent there. Too. Substantial amount of money being spent between there. the county and the city and county, city, the Rotary Club, and Friends of the Park. And the dog park is almost completed. So we're getting very close to that, which is a dog park, but it's also a people's park. And they'll have their own amphitheater, so we're excited about that. And we're excited about working with City of Clemson and Pendleton, I think, on September 7th. Pendleton and Anderson are going to pass that thing to build that joint sewer treatment plant up in the Pendleton area. So that's a good lick for us. More economic development. Uh, if everything stays on track right now and we keep having the weather we've had, I'm pretty sure that the Christmas tree might be four feet taller this year. Four feet taller. Then what does that bring us to? Do you know the total height? I think it's 54 off the top of wow. my head. We're, get, we're closing in but, on Rockefeller Center if we keep going at this rate. But here's the great thing. You know, that's only 100 days from where we sit to the unofficial tree lighting. Well, that is wonderful news. But here is a special attraction that we will have this year. We reached out to the Pelzer Light people. So for the Christmas tree lighting, our special guest, in addition to Santa Claus, who's the specialist guest, the Pelzer Light people will be here live in downtown Anderson. I almost always include monthly, monthly updates with Burns. An update on the county Christmas tree, he beat me to it this year. And this year's tree will stand at 54 feet in the, for the holiday season, which is only about 20 feet shy of the tree at Rockefeller Center in New York City. So at the current pace of growth in downtown Anderson, the Christmas tree will pass this big city tree in about five to six years. So keep an eye out for that in the holidays to come. The official lighting of that tree on the county square is only 94 days away. So we're looking forward to that. It's also been the birthday of some Anderson institutions one of which sort of helped shape the character and direction of the county and the town. That's First Baptist Church of Anderson celebrated 200 years of ministry on Sunday, meaning it started in 1821 before there was a county or a village of Anderson. And the church has been home to a series of judges, business leaders, education leaders, and visionaries for over the two centuries. And First Baptist Church made a conscious decision to stay downtown many years ago, which is a good thing. And it's the mother church of many other congregations that still meet today across the county every Sunday. And its benevolence work is still active today. They're still reaching out to the community and doing good work. 
and it, they're still committed to ministering to the least of these. And also you might want to visit their graveyard, which is almost a who's who of many of the folks in the history of Anderson. They also founded Johnson University in the 1840s, which planted the seeds to what eventually became Anderson College and is now Anderson University. And speaking of Anderson University, it is now the largest private college or university in South Carolina with 4,000 students enrolled for the fall. And the growth of the school has been accelerated under the leadership of Evans Whitaker, whose vision is largely responsible for the rapid growth and expansion and where the school is today. And I talked to him this week about the school's growth and challenges and vision for the future. Well, thanks, Greg. Um, we studied the virus pretty much all sort of long. By study, I mean we observed it and thought about uh, maybe three weeks before we started the fall semester that we would be able to go mask optional. But as the data came in, um, indicating that the virus was spreading and at a pretty fast rate, together with the fact that we had actually entertained a group from Louisiana here on our campus in the summer that we believe brought the virus with them and infected some people here on campus to the extent that we had to shut down two weeks of camps. We decided that we should rethink our position and to try to not be as restrictive as we were last year, but to, to require some reasonable restrictions because the campus community of young people um, do not have herd immunity yet. Our faculty have herd immunity. Um, we knew and we we're expecting some infections on campus. Our position all along has been that we're not going to control this thing, but we can do our best to manage it. And that's what we've done. We did very well last year. We think we can do that this year, probably better than we did last year. But we felt like that we have not only an obligation to our campus community, but to the Anderson community. We have people in our community who are vulnerable who have underlying health conditions, who are of the age that they're at higher risk. And we certainly don't want to be responsible for being careless and getting the virus into the community simply because we have a lot of people here on the campus in close proximity to one another. And so uh, we're not living in a bubble over here on our campus. We're in a community, we're part of the community, and we have an obligation to the community. And so our approach this semester is to require masks in the classroom, to require masks in uh, places where students or others are gathered more than 75 to a room and they're required to be there and also to wear masks on our Trojan Transit which is our shuttle that goes around the campus and around town. And we believe that that's responsible and we believe it's not too much to ask of our students although it is very aggravating to wear those masks in the classroom. Get used to them again. We will. Yeah. The, I think most statistics at DHEC show that the college-age kids are the least vaccinated group too, so that sort of heightens the awareness of what's going on. Yeah. If that's accurate, I'm not surprised to hear that um, because um, college students are beginning to make their own decisions. Um, even freshmen are beginning to make their own decisions 
and they like that independence and who doesn't like that independence? And so uh, with them being less likely to become seriously infected or seriously ill, uh, many of them have chosen not to necessarily have the vaccine. But it'll be interesting to see if more of our students get the vaccine. A good number of them have it, but not enough to claim herd immunity. Enrollment this year will come very close to around 4,000 students from the outset. We know that we will serve over 4,000 students throughout the year because we enroll students at different times and we even enroll students at different times in the fall semester and spring semester. Um, in other words, in the middle of the semester, we may start another term. And so we know that we'll serve more than 4,000. I'm hoping that our official enrollment will be over 4,000, but we have just a couple of weeks more to see uh, those numbers shape up before we can say for sure what our total enrollment will be, our official enrollment that we'll report to the government and accrediting bodies. Yes, it's uh, something that's happened just in the last few years, but as we've grown, we've added programs, uh, particularly at the graduate level. We're now the largest private in the state. Yes, the engineering program is an exciting program for us. We will begin that program this fall with a pilot class, but next year we'll launch the program as an official program at AU with four majors. We'll have electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, computer engineering, and general engineering. And what we're hearing is that since the upstate is such an area and South Carolina is such an area for uh, growth of business and industry, that there is a great need even now for more engineers, particularly those who can go right into these industries and begin work without a, not a lot of additional training um, by the industry itself. And so we're meeting a community need. We don't uh, start a major unless there's, there's a need for it and unless it fits within our mission. Uh, but we're very excited about this major because we believe that we can serve our community, particularly the economic development of our community even better. And my understanding is y'all are taking a slightly different approach to say like Clemson and the way engineering is going to be approached here. You're starting with a practical and... Yes, our program will be a little different in that we will begin the program by teaching the practical aspects of engineering and we'll end the program by teaching more of the theoretical aspects. And that doesn't mean we're going to transition um, at a point in time as much as we're going to to begin teaching the practical side and the application of engineering right out of the gate. At the same time, we will be teaching some theory, but we will lead with the practical side of engineering and end with the theoretical side of engineering. And my understanding from our Dean of Engineering, uh, that is because that um, he believes that students who want to be engineers, are interested in doing things and designing things and making things, solving problems. And we believe that uh, they will be more engaged um, to continue in the major. Engineering is one of those majors that some students drop out of uh, after uh, a year or so 
and we don't want those students to drop out simply because they're not interested in the theory that they're learning. We can keep them engaged, more engaged, and more committed to completion by allowing them to actually use what they know about engineering very early in their educational experience. And remind people, y'all went out and brought a very experienced person in to, to start this program up. Yes, uh, Dr. Tony Giuseppe Eli uh, is with us. He was the head of biomedical engineering at Texas A&M University. He and his wife Annette live here in Anderson. And Tony was previously with Clemson University and uh, spent the last few years in Texas getting ready to take on this role here at Anderson. We've been talking about it for a number of years and we're very excited to have Tony. He is a very rare and special individual, highly qualified doctorate from MIT um, and just passionate about teaching college students. What about other new programs? Are there any other new programs people might not know about coming this year? Or? Yes, this year we're launching a Doctor of Education program for educational leaders. This past year, we launched a PhD program in leadership with two tracks, one for those in ministry and one for those in business. And that program has been far more successful in terms of enrollment than we ever imagined that it would be. So that's been um, a very nice experience this past year. This next fall, we're looking at programs like a medical science degree, masters in medical science, that would focus on pathology. These individuals would be essentially physician assistants to pathologists in uh, healthcare and would do a lot of the preparation work uh, before um, materials are handed off to pathologists to give their final approval on them. And so uh, this is a very exciting program uh, as well. And we're always looking at new programs. What are your biggest programs? What are, what are the programs that have the highest mm -hmm. demand? The largest programs on campus uh, would not be surprising. Business is a very large program. Education is a very large program. Nursing has become a very large program here at AU. And uh, we've been growing in the sciences. We offer an opportunity for students to get hands-on research experience at our Center for Cancer Research. And uh, that's something that they don't get at other places. And so the sciences here have been growing fairly, fairly dramatically in the last few years. We get a lot of students in the medical school, dental school, veterinary school, and other graduate programs in the medical sciences. If parents are, are looking at the school and look at these programs, what are some distinctives that might make them ask your kids to consider Anderson University over somewhere else? Well, I could talk for a long time on those things, Greg, uh, but I'll just mention a few. First, uh, we have a very rare campus environment in that we're very intentional about our culture here on campus. We have four pillars. Uh, we say that we're almost obsessed with these four things. Uh, the first is great academics. Students come to us expecting us to give them the knowledge that they need to be competitive in their careers and in graduate school. And we have to start with that. We have to deliver on that promise. And so when it comes to a student's education, we just simply don't play around. It's a rigorous experience and we're known for that. The other part of it, of course, is our faith uh, perspective. We are a traditional um, faith-based university. Uh, we believe in old-fashioned values, 
Um, and uh, that's very attractive to a certain percentage of our population today because they don't get that in as many places as they used to be able to get it in. And so um, that's another aspect. The um, third component or the third pillar of our, our brand, so to speak, is hospitality. We work really hard at helping people who come onto our campus, whether they're here living here as a student or whether they come as a visitor, to be uh, welcomed onto our campus to feel that they are uh, a welcomed, a welcomed uh, family member, so to speak, here on our campus, especially for our students. We want them to feel like that, that the campus is something of a family. We want them to have a good time while they're here. We want them to go away saying, wow, that was a great experience, and uh, they really treated me well at Anderson. The fourth thing that we're passionate about, of course, is uh, helping students find their pathway or their purpose in life. And that's one of the beautiful things about the liberal arts is that we teach students to <clears throat> prepare for a career, but we also teach them to be able to change careers at some point in the future, and we all know that that's a high likelihood. And so those are some basic things. Beyond that, when it comes to value-added uh, things. We uh, focus on things like uh, professionalism. We have a program, a co-curricular program called AU Pro, where we teach the soft skills that um, society needs for our graduates to have and business and industry need for our graduates to have. Today we teach them how to be a professional and how to act as a professional. The other thing that we do is that we teach them to be uh, good money managers. Uh, that's not something that you necessarily get in college, but we require our students to go through co-curricular experiences of learning the nature of money and learning the nature of stewardship, uh, learning uh, that um, uh, fiscal management is really a spiritual matter and, and that there's a way to approach that through a biblical lens that helps them be good stewards and good managers of the resources that they will accumulate and be able to have at their disposal during their lifetimes. A lot of those things you mentioned there are sort of cores of what used to be considered liberal arts education. If someone yes. would come in and get the sort of the renaissance education, you take art yes. and you take science and you take, yes. that seems to still be a part of what y'all are doing, am I right? Yes, I'd say that's very much part of what we're doing and we actually have a, a core curriculum that was revised a couple of years ago that's very unique and it's very much aligned so that students don't just aim to achieve a certain number of hours so that they can graduate, but that they take certain things in progression so that they build on their knowledge from freshman year to senior year. And it helps them make more sense out of why they're taking certain courses and how they can use those courses and the knowledge that comes from those experiences um, more effectively in their lives, so that's very uh, exciting too. One of the things that I'm very proud of in our core curriculum is the fact that we believe that we're one of the few colleges and universities in America that requires our students to have a philosophy course before they graduate. And as you know, if you look at our society today, people are not very logical uh, uh, as we once were, or it seems to be that to me, and so we think it's very uh, important for students to learn um, 
about logic, to learn about the other elements of philosophy, but especially logic. How about languages? Is that still? Yes, we still offer languages and require them. Are any of them particular ones people in demand now, or is this the same languages people have been taking in college forever? Pretty much the same, uh, Spanish, French. Uh, we do have uh, some students who enjoy sign language, and so we do offer that here as well. How about the religion program? I mean, it, for years that was one of the main draws of Anderson University and Anderson College before. What, what, how's the religion yes. program growing? What's it look like? Well, first of all, it is growing, and it's very robust. Uh, we have one of the larger divinity schools in the South at Anderson University, which is something that many people are not aware of. It's probably also one of the more diverse programs in the country, as a matter of fact. About 40% of our graduate students in the Divinity School, about 40% are um, minority students, most of them African-American students, and we love serving those students because they're, many of them are from out of state and they can attend some of the coursework online and then they come here for some personal experiences throughout their experience. But um, we're very uh, happy about that program. We have programs all the way from bachelor's programs to the, the PhD and the Divinity School, Doctor of Ministry, which is a more practical program, Master of Divinity, the typical seminary program that the student would get at a seminary. Uh, a short program called the Master of Ministry, which is sort of half of a seminary degree. And then, of course, all of our undergraduate programs in Christian studies and religion and philosophy are in that program as well. One of the things that was lost last year to a large degree was ex extracurricular activities. I mean, a, yes. lot of, a lot of clubs and groups that were able to get together, even some sports suffered. We all sports suffered in some ways. How is that bouncing back this year? Because I know the sports program continues to grow here. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Yes. Well, we do have some protocols and some restrictions in sports. I was just on the um, Zoom platform the other day with other presidents from the South Atlantic Conference, and we are going to need to put into place some protocols that will present students with some restrictions. But the importance of that is that our students are not just playing and practicing here on our campus, but we're also going to other schools, and other schools are coming to us. So we want to be very careful, and so we work hand-in-hand -hand with our other partner institutions in the South Atlantic Conference. But in general, we should see more student activities this year. While we're trying to be very careful with um, this virus, uh, we, we know that um, it can be managed a little bit differently than we managed it last year and give our students more access to some of the things that they really enjoyed having before COVID. And of course, we've got to talk about football. That was the big announcement. The next stage, we announced, you announced the program, now you've announced a coach. Talk a little bit about the football program that's coming. Yes, very excited about football. Uh, we continue to plan for that. We're still on schedule to uh, begin playing competitively in uh, 2024. The year before that, 2023, uh, we will play um, in practice. Uh, we'll play some other teams, but they won't count in terms of uh, championships and that type of thing. We're just getting practice that year. We think that's a good way to begin uh, to get our students uh, and our coaches uh, uh, in the Anderson 
culture. We think that's a good way to get our coaches in the Anderson culture, have them experience that, and then actually begin the program competitively in 2024. And we're very excited uh, about uh, uh, our, our new football coach. Uh, he comes from uh, Division I schools where he's had successful careers, uh, and he is uh, just a very fine man who's going to be a great fit for Anderson University. I guess recruiting's already underway since then. Very much, very much so. Uh, recruiting, yes, Coach Lamb uh, has already begun to uh, have discussions with um, uh, individuals in the community and um, throughout South Carolina and the Southeast about uh, football. And so we're excited about the pipeline of people that we will hopefully have interested in Anderson football when that time comes. As you know, we have to be very careful there and not break any NCAA rules, uh, but we are having those conversations that we can have. And remind everybody how many sports you have and what the new ones are. Yes, we have 19 uh, sports at this point. Uh, our two newest sports are men's and women's lacrosse. We started men's lacrosse last year. We will start women's lacrosse uh, the fall of 2022, and we already have our coach on board for those uh, for the women's lacrosse. And um, we had a great year uh, with men's lacrosse last year in our first year. Um, they did very well, made us very proud. Why does lacrosse suddenly become the sport that's growing? It seems to be popping up everywhere in the South. I mean, that was not yes. part of my experience. Well, uh, we have seen lacrosse grow. Uh, traditionally, you would see students come from the Northeast uh, because they played lacrosse in high school. But more and more schools, uh, private schools, uh, as well as public schools, are playing lacrosse at the high school level. And so there has been an organic uh, interest in uh, lacrosse and so we were just very happy to be able to start those programs and be able to recruit plenty of students right out of the gate. So sports brings people on campus. Another thing that was traditionally always brought folks on campus is your arts programs. Uh, yes. Forming arts, uh, visual arts. Let's talk a little bit about the, the arts program and how that's going to look hopefully bouncing back and have audiences for these folks that need yes. somebody to sing to. And, Yes, last year presented many, many restrictions and challenges for the students in the arts. We believe this year that we're going to be able to, again, relax some of the restrictions. Um, we, uh, again, want to be responsible about that. But we want to gradually get back to business as usual as soon as we possibly can. So we've not made any decisions about the spring semester. We're just dealing with the fall semester now. And we believe that we will be able to offer performances for the public this year uh, more frequently than we did last year. So that's exciting. Uh, it's hard to do uh, performance uh, without uh, actually having a stage on which to perform for a lot of people. And so uh, the community really enjoys our productions and we're looking forward to getting back to offering those, particularly the President's Gala, which is in the spring. It's always a big event for us. Looking forward to that again. I know one of the things that some of your performing arts folks did get very creative and did some Zoom kind of productions and online things that were very Yes, cool. yes. I was actually um, really amazed by what they were able to do. Uh, it was interesting. They just got very, as you would imagine, they got very creative as artists do. And they improvised and did a great job in offering some concerts online 
and even uh, having people at various locations uh, on uh, the same platform uh, recording uh, musical pieces, uh, recording uh, other things that were able to be offered to the public for viewing and to our campus community for our enjoyment. Well, even like in your music, uh, your music program, it's very important for those folks to be able to have recitals that aren't necessarily public, but yes. perform before in front of other people because it's right. so hard. To, That's know. right. Uh, Anderson um, has really changed the performing arts over the last few years, visual and performing arts, but especially the performing arts. We are not your typical uh, liberal arts. Uh, performing arts school, we're actually trying to help these individuals get the experience that they need to make a living uh, actually performing. And so many of our students are leaving Anderson and going to New York after they um, finish their degree in the South Carolina School of the Arts. Uh, many are going to other places uh, around the country and the world to perform and, and be professional um, uh, and uh, professional artists wherever they're going. And so we're something of a hybrid between a conservatory and a liberal arts program, but really emphasizing the need for our students to experience a rigorous educational experience in the arts so that they can be competitive uh, in the performing arts that they'll be stepping into. One of the other programs we haven't mentioned yet is the adult program. You've got programs for adults that can get degrees mm -hmm. in, in less than four years and yes. things. Let's talk a bit about that. Yes, we have a number of programs that are offered online for working adults. Uh, most of our programs are uh, offered online in the adult uh, arena, so to speak, uh, because uh, that's the way most adults are going to school these days. They're going to school online because of the convenience. Uh, because of the ease of being able to meet a class from your home or your office instead of having to actually drive to the campus. And so it's become very popular with undergraduate students as well as graduate students. So we heavily emphasize the online delivery in those areas and we have a number of programs that students can take advantage of. And are those programs growing, the adult programs? We're growing in the graduate areas. Adult programs in the undergraduate areas are not growing at this time, and that's pretty much a national trend. But uh, college and university uh, is uh, a cyclical business in the adult market, and so even though it's not growing at this time, uh, it will grow again in the future. Looking down the road, is there anything on your long-term um, strategic plan that you and the board are planning that people might want to be interested in? Yes, we have a number of building projects that are coming up that we're planning for. We are going to be constructing an engineering building in the very near future. We're going to be constructing a football uh, field house and coaches' offices and uh, workout facilities for football and other student athletes. Uh, we will want to build a building that will house our College of Business and our Divinity School. Um, and then we'll be building additional housing because we do expect the traditional population to continue to grow. Um, we're very fortunate that Anderson is uh, a growing institution. It's a very popular institution, particularly 
uh, to residents of our state. And we don't see that popularity um, uh, changing uh, in the next few years. We see it probably increasing some, and that's a good thing. We're blessed in that area, and we don't, uh, we don't say that uh, in a, in a spirit of pride, we just say it simply that we're, we're blessed and we're happy about the growth that we're experiencing. A university is a key element in any community, has an economic engine, it's a center for arts, and we're fortunate to have the school here. A pair of Anderson businesses also marked anniversaries this week. Skins Hot Dog celebrated 75 years of all the way service. And that's, if you get them, get them all the way with extra mustard, extra chili too, if you really want something special. And I talked to some of the men who've been major parts of the history of Skins. I'm Matt Thrasher. I'm Mike Thrasher. And I'm Wayne Harbin. Mm -hmm. And when's the first time you ever remember eating a hot dog at Skins? Well, I remember when I dated Becky, his only daughter. That was my first time eating hot dogs. How many did you eat that day? It's been a while, no telling how many I did eat, because I wanted to impress Skin, so I probably ate about a dozen or more. Did y'all ever imagine that Skins would be all over Greenville and Greenwood and all these places when y'all were getting started? Um, I, I didn't imagine it, but I dreamed that we could do it. And what's your favorite hot dog? How do you get yours? All the way, chili, mustard, and onions. How about you? Mine is uh, chili mustard and onions with mayonnaise and hot sauce and ketchup. So, yeah. And then my first hot dog, um, my uh, skin, mine and Mike's uh, father, he wouldn't let us eat inside when we were little. He said paying customers first. So we'd have to stand at the bar and wait till all the people had been served and then he'd serve us and then I would take it to go to mom. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever believe it'd be this many years? I mean, that, that seems like fast. Did it seem to go by fast? It did for me. Yeah, it did for me. It, it did for me. I almost chucked up there. I, I got to thinking about it for the first time. And yeah, it's been about 35, 35 or 36 years for us. And then watched Daddy grow it and, you know, went from a little hot dog stand to a pool room hot dog stand to this. Um, it's pretty impressive. Is it important for the county to recognize y'all? Do y'all feel like that's a good, I mean, important thing for y'all? Just to, I know y'all have had a lot of awards. Ab absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's an honor. Very much an honor. Very much an honor. When, when people, you know, where you grew up, honor you, then uh, yeah. yes. And what's next? Anything you just mentioned? Tell them again what you just mentioned here. Well, um, we just opened up, reopened, probably one of the biggest fires in Anderson County. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we were involved in it. Uh, they, they, uh, the marketplace right behind the Red Lobster on Clipson Boulevard, uh, it burned down. And this is the store near and dear to all three of us because mm -hmm. that's the first one we opened. People told us we shouldn't open it because we were going to run our daddy's reputation because he was such a legend, and he was a legend. Uh, but, but however, we opened it the first day. We thought we, they were right. The second day, they were dead wrong and been dead wrong ever since. And uh, we, um, we just reopened it. It's been a very emotional time for us today because our county's recognizing us that we grew up in and we reopened the Marketplace store. Meanwhile, the People's Bank, formerly the People's Bank of Iva, marked their 70th anniversary in the community. A locally owned bank is now something that holds a near unicorn status. There's so few of them, and our community is very fortunate to have the People's Bank 
Uh, this is an unpaid plug, but I have been a customer for almost 40 years and can attest that working with a local bank and the people who know you just cannot be matched by any of the big national, international state banks. So hats off to People's Bank. Anderson County Councilman Ray Graham had this to say at the, about the, the bank and its place in the community uh, during their ceremony uh, in which they were honored last week. All right, uh, we were able to recognize uh, People's Bank of Iowa for 70 years of service, uh, actually done it this past Sunday. Um, uh, the People's Bank has uh, just been a key uh, part to the, uh, of that community for years. Uh, has been able to uh, help many families, uh, anything from just simple uh, car loans or whatever, uh, to even uh, small business loans and you know, to uh, just local banking. You don't have a lot of uh, small town banking no more uh, due to just regulations and whatnot, but uh, People's Bank, I mean, they're, they're still a small town bank. When you walk in, they know you by your first name. Uh, you know, it, I made the statement down there, it's, you know, it's more of a partnership, more of a friendship uh, when I associate People's Bank. It's just great to uh, know that they're part of our community and are always willing, uh, they're willing to help. Another local institution is not far from celebrating 25 years in Anderson and is about to renovate the interior and offer some new menu options. Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill, which recently launched its new website and is about to debut new menus for lunch and dinner, is one of Open Table's top 100 restaurants in America. And Sullivan's has reigned as the king of Anderson's top fine dining experience for the past two decades. From signature dinner entrees and specials to lunch favorites and specials, the food's always a treat. If you've not had one of Sullivan's Burgers for lunch, you're missing the best burger in town. And don't forget the specials, and don't forget the house-made desserts that cannot be beat. And that same great food is, food is available for your special event with white tablecloth catering at prices that compare to far less elegant and far less tasty competitors. Owner Bill Nickus, who's been a good friend of mine for a long time, took a chance on downtown Anderson when very few businesses wanted to go down there. It was almost a ghost town. And he deserves a lot of credit for the rebirth of downtown and what's going on there now. He has been a longtime supporter of the Anderson Observer, news from people you trust. And here's what he had to say about what's coming up at Sullivan. Well, let's, first, let's talk about all the new changes. you got. You got a new website, uh, and you've got some other new exciting things going to happen in the restaurant. Tell everybody about what's coming up at Sullivan's. Absolutely, Greg. A lot of, a lot of changes coming up. So uh, our real big next big change is we have new tables, um, booths coming for the whole entire restaurant. So we're excited about that. That should happen. We're hoping, fingers crossed, right before Labor Day. When's the last time you updated all that? Gosh, we, we, we added new chairs probably six years ago. Um, and the tables, we've, we've, I still have some of mine that are the originals from, from when we, that we actually built by hand, you know, 22 years ago, almost 23 now. <coughs> Excuse me, so um, we're looking forward to that. And then a uh, new lunch menu that we're currently working on and it's gonna follow follow up with uh, a new dinner menu too that we're hoping mid-September for that. Lunch menu will be September 1 is our goal to launch on that. And then, you know, September 15th for dinner menu. And then last but certainly not least, it's been a labor of love the last nine months. We, we've got a new website that we're really proud of and really excited uh, that we've been working on. And also, just to put a plug for it, our Loyal Customer Club. We started Loyal Customer Club um, right after um, the reopening from the shutdown, and that's just been wonderful. You need to get that? That's okay. Yeah, no, okay. I'm gonna cut it off so I don't. Oh, okay, that's yeah. fine. 
So, uh, anything on the new menu, people? I mean, they can see it at the new website, right? The website has the new menu on it. No, it does not. It does not. No, we're we're uh, oh. we we've been we we've been beta testing the new launch menus without people knowing it as okay. specials and things like that. So we're and we kind of let the numbers dictate uh, what we're going to remove. So we'll kind of keep some of that a little bit of a surprise, but we're. We're, we're excited about the, the changes we're making on launch. What about uh, over the past um, year and a half, restaurants have really been struggling. Um, let's talk a little bit about how you guys have managed to navigate all this, because you seem like you've kept, you have more, I see all these people worried about staff, you don't seem like you've had any staffing mm -hmm. problems. Mm -hmm. Y'all have remained either open or curbside or something. How is that, what kind of challenge did you have this last year? And did you ever expect you'd live long enough to see something that weird? Gosh, uh, for sure, we're, we're, we're challenges uh, that I've never seen in my life, w without a doubt. But, you know, in, in a weird way, um, I, I just couldn't be more proud of our management team and the resilience we had of, of really, I mean, literally, I can remember during the shutdown, we would Zoom every single day, seven days a week, to figure out what, what went wrong, what didn't go well. And what do we need to change for the next, I mean, sometimes it was for the next shift from lunch to dinner. How do we need to, do we incorporate delivery? Do we need to, you know, we, uh, a model that really worked well for us during the shutdown is, you know, obviously once it started carrying on a while, we know that, you know, people just can't afford that, you know, and they were supporting us out of their support for us. You can't have filet mignon every night. So we started doing some more kind of family style meals that seemed to really, really take off that, you know, to this day, we're, we're doing and, and, and customers are enjoying. So we learned to kind of to expose ourselves to a different demographic, if that makes sense. And you've been, you, you and I are talking, you've been vaccinated. Yes. And you're encouraging everybody to get vaccinated. I am. Absolutely. I've, I've been vaccinated. Uh, my family has been vaccinated, minus one. He's a grand man. I won't say his name, but y'all can figure it out. <laughs> so dad's trying to... to Calling push. you out. Yeah trying to push but I have um, and we're certainly encouraging I'd say I'm 40 to 50 percent of our staff has been vaccinated uh, most all of our managers have because um, I've really been pushing management meetings and, and I'm hoping that we're gonna ramp that number up even more as numbers continue to go up I'd love to be to proudly say that our whole staff is vaccinated that, that that's certainly a goal and you're considering some ideas to maybe make that happen. absolutely we're going to we're going to look into some incentive type things for the staff to really encourage that um so yes so without a, another surge uh, businesses can't afford to keep surging down cutting shutting down at all because people are not taking care of themselves you're, you're exactly right i mean it's really scary i mean if lord forbid but we had another one i i, I don't I don't know if the government would step in again or not. And, you know, there's only so many, I mean. People forget how, that, how much that saved, those PPP loans, PPE loans saved so many businesses. Uh, we're, we're one of them. We absolutely, I, you know, I, you know I've, I've talked about this in the past with a few people, but if, I feel like if you really, really used your PPP money the way it was supposed to be used correctly, then you know, you didn't have to, none of those people needed to be laid off. They, they also didn't have to start, you know, getting unemployment and using those dollars. And for us, that's exactly what I did. And it, it really paid dividends on the back end of that because when we cut the lights on, so to speak, and actually got to open back up, for instance, we didn't skip a beat. We were right, right back to where we were 
um, from from a service standpoint and a kitchen standpoint. And I feel like that's really been it's been a huge thing for us long term, and I, I feel like we're really seeing the fruit of that. And as we've really, I mean, we've actually had a this year's grown exponentially. We're having a big year, um, and still in the middle of a pandemic, and we're 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 beating 2019 numbers right now. I don't think most people realize a restaurant this size and you're open six days a week. What goes into people just go and eat and don't think about? It. Tell people how many employees you have and mm-hmm. what kind of staffing it takes to do what yeah, you do. Yeah, we we roughly you know rough, round number sixty. We have about sixty here with also you know probably ten you know what I call catering help part time um, staff members that we have you know here at the restaurant. So there is a lot that works behind the scenes. Uh, you know you don't just get grandma's favorite mac and cheese recipe and open up a restaurant. There's a lot to it. Um, specifically, you know, kind of my end, I work a lot on the numbers and, you know, ordering and labor. Those are my big things that we focus on because that's where, you know, majority of our money is. We've got to keep our food costs where we need to keep it, but also keep our ordering and not having a lot of waste. Yeah, that, those are the big recipes and really trying to keep that labor number. My, you know, always have a goal of 25% of gross. And that's, that's the number we try to stick to um, from a labor standpoint to, to keep it profitable. But you, at the same time, you've not had any trouble with staff because you tried to keep salaries at a level where you can keep people working. I have. Yeah, we, we've worked on that. We, you know, we, we had a little issue there in March, April. It got hairy a little bit. And really, honestly, that was more because we had some staff out with COVID. And then we were a little bit short-staffed because I lost a few to some of the big manufacturing um, plants, which, you know, I, at the same time, I couldn't blame them. They have really, really incredible opportunities that were offered. And so we lost a few of, uh, I would call, of my, my full-timers. But all in all, we have been very, very fortunate. And, I, and our team has stepped up and really covered each other and put in some hours. Um, but we've been fortunate. We, we've kept our, kept our staff. Um, we're, we're, we're really blessed, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. And have your regulars in the community been pretty supportive? They know they oh, try to reach out and make sure they. Absolutely, gosh! I mean, our, the regulars and support. I mean, it's I can't even put words to it of just their loyalty during the shutdown and getting delivery to go when they didn't have to. They could have, you know, done what I did honestly and had peanut butter jelly at the house if you needed to. But that they they went out of their way to to support us, and I mean, we're forever thankful for that. If there's so many people moving here new, if somebody has not eaten here before, mm-hmm. is there, I mean, I know you're going to say, I know everything I've eaten is good, but what would you suggest they try first? Dinner or lunch? What okay, all right. Well, you know, I'll give you two. So, if lunch, um, you know, for lunch, I, I would say our number one seller, would, I'll give you the two best sellers of lunch, are, are grilled salmon with risotto. We use fresh. Nova Scotia salmon is delicious, and our marinated grilled chicken breast over rice. Those are probably two of our most popular. Salads are great. We're actually going to have some good good switch up coming up in the menu. We're a little bored with our salads, so that's an area we're going to be working on. And I think we have sneaky, sneaky good burgers. I think the best burgers ever. Thank you. And it, it's Braveheart beef. We're licensed. It's the top, you know, top ten percent of choice. It's a beautiful product, and you know, we hand cut our French fries. Great fresh baked brioche buns, and they're they're fantastic. And the other one that people forget is y'all do actually serve home cooking with the pot roast, open face pot roast. With yes, gravy. you're exactly that's my go-to. Yeah, I know that, Greg. I know you love that one, and that is it's so funny. I put that on the menu as something I just wanted, just something just 
you know, kind of like drivers, dine-ins, and drives. You know, I mean, just a huge, big, you know, just almost too much to eat where you have to eat it with fork and knife. And it's really, really become popular. I, I, that, that'll be on our menu like forevermore. It's, it's been that successful. And it's great. It's really almost a, I probably shouldn't say this, probably not good profit for me, but it almost is two meals in one. You can almost break that up and take the other half home and have it for dinner. It's that much food. It is. Yeah. What about dinner? People dinner. have tried dinner. Absolutely. So, you know, for dinner, we, we again, we're licensed Braveheart beef. That we're very proud of ours. Our steaks, I think we have the, the best beef in town. Um, I, uh, but, you know, some unique things. Uh, stuffed pork chops has been on our menu since day one. Um, you know, we brine our pork and we stuff them with goat cheese and it's marinated and grilled with uh, balsamic onions. It kind of has that salty, sweet uh, combination that I think is just fantastic. And our number one seller, without a doubt, is our Trigger Demir um, grilled trigger fish that we do, uh, grilled shrimp and scallops and light sherry cream sauce that uh, has been a, a go-to um, since day one. And I'll tell people who normally aren't big seafood lovers, and it's going to sound crazy because it's the dumb joke, but it doesn't taste fishy. No, it's it so doesn't. fresh and it's so. You're exactly right. Well, for you know, really, the first ten years we were open, it used to be grouper, and unfortunately, groupers. I mean, pricing just went crazy and accessibility. So we tried to, go, you know, look far and wide, and, and trigger fish is literally my that is my favorite fish, and I've always loved it. And we finally found a, a resource where we can consistently get it, you know day in day out and it's it's been wonderful and it, it you're right it's just that flaky buttery fish is what i would call it and of course both meals the dessert case is still here absolutely um you know sweet natalie who's been with us a long long time she she was with us for 10 years when saber had the babies and helped bake then a lot of people didn't even know that and then uh since saber's passing um she she's come in and taken all saber's recipes and I mean, if you close your eyes, you, you, you feel like Sabre made it out. I, I couldn't be more proud of, of what Natalie's done to, to just honor Sabre in that. She she takes it very, very seriously. She knows she's she's got big shoes to fill there, and I, I think she's done a fantastic job. And we have lots of wonderful desserts. And Natalie, we're always constantly creating and working really diligently on um, keeping consistent gluten-free because we know that's a really big deal and we that, that's in fact we had a management team meeting last thursday and that was a commitment that that now she's on vacation this week so starting next week that we're going to really make sure we have at least one gluten-free thing in the in the case at all times because mm -hmm. we know how important that is a lot of you know and it's a, a real serious thing you know and you mentioned cyber the new website's going to have a, a remorian absolutely absolutely we you know we um, I, I wrote a little piece in there just about her and just uh, what her, you know, legacy to not only as my wife, but my partner, you know, we, we, we started this thing together and um, there'll be some more cool tributes we'll, we're going to do in, in the future for her that I'm looking forward to, to sharing, you know, hopefully in the, the immediate future. So the website's ready, but you're going to update the menu soon. Correct. And tell them about the loyalty. People don't know what the loyalty thing yes. is. The loyalty. Okay, so the loyalty club is, gosh, it's been wonderful. Um, we, we, just so you know, you can go on our website and sign up anytime you like for the loyalty club. But basically what we do is for, well, we call it for our VIPs. And uh, we send out exclusive discounts monthly, two to three emails a month, depending on the month, of an exclusive discount. Only for the, those that receive that loyal customer 
club. You get a, and always get a free dessert on your birthday, and then some fun other little things. I mean, sometimes we give you, we we send you twenty bucks to spend however the heck you want, and uh, so I highly recommend those that haven't done it to do it because there's going to be more benefits and um, you know preferred reservations and things like that in the future that we really. Um, want to play homage of those because really that core is what really has supported us during the during the shutdown in this difficult pandemic. And I guess finally, mm -hmm. there are always people who've never heard. I, mean, I, mm -hmm. I people who lived here forever hadn't been down here. Right. Remind them when you're open. All right. So we're open. Lunch is Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. and we serve dinner Monday through Saturday beginning at 5:30 p.m. and we say until so. And if you've not been lately, try Sullivan's this week and tell them you heard about it on the Anderson Observer podcast, News from People You Trust. There's a lot of activity as August comes to a close. Thursday brings the end of the season's downtown block party with a funk band, a rock funk band. And this has been a good year for the downtown block party. Good crowds and they've been blessed with good weather for a change on this year of return after the year lost to the pandemic. Uh, Friday brings the Midnight Flight, the annual race that many people from up and down the East Coast come and participate in. It's both a competitive race and a fun race for runners of all levels, so you might want to check that out. Celebrate Anderson is going to usher in Labor Day in two weeks. But not all of the county news is good. Uh, AnMed reported slammed emergency rooms and ICUs are near capacity here and statewide as the Delta variant of the virus continues its surge, largely among the unvaccinated who will and should be blamed for the shutdowns or new restrictions if they emerge. More than 93% of all patients at AnMed with virus who were admitted with virus issues are unvaccinated and all but one patient in the ICU with virus with the virus are, is unvaccinated and that person is in a high risk category uh, with health problems beyond the um, virus. While there are a tiny percentage of the population who cannot receive the virus, these folks are not the problem and they're very rare. It is coming from those who are refusing the vaccination out of obstinence, who are causing chaos and the potential for future shutdowns in our economy and in our, in our society as well. The situation is odd. Even former President Donald Trump was booed over the weekend at one of his rallies in Alabama when he encouraged people there to get vaccinated. So the issue has sort of jumped the political shark and shows no sign of waning. The FDA granted full approval today for the Pfizer vaccine and is expected to do the same for the Moderna vaccine later in the week. So arguments based on its unapproved are no longer on the table. It's now largely a case of superstition and immature mantras of exercising some vague right that now carry the anti-vax movement's flag. Naive religious zealots who suggest God will protect them from the virus are a good number of those coming into the emergency rooms and the ICUs and what they fail to realize is God has provided protection in the form of a vaccine. Uh, but these folks have chosen their golden calf of superstition instead. So um, that's a sad thing. Meanwhile, the COVID-19 numbers continue to skyrocket and people are dying. I hope something changes before the cold weather arrives because when that tidal wave of cases hit last year, things got ugly. But until then, the only hope of the idea of herd immunity is to keep society open with vaccines. I know no amount of arguing is going to move the needle on the ardent anti-vaxxers, but reminding everyone of the truth is a task left to those of us who care about their fellow man. Fewer than 50% of those eligible for the vaccine in Anderson County have chosen to receive it, and if you take away the age demographic over 65, over 65 residents, the percentages drop to around 30%, and it's a shameful statistic for our county. Aside from vaccines, face masks are the second most effective way for controlling the spread of the virus. Our local colleges and universities are 
to be applauded for doing their part and keeping mask requirements on campuses. That's Anderson University and Tri-County Tech in Clemson. So as 2021 races towards autumn, help spread the word that vaccinations are free, widely available and safe. And again, if we're going to get to the holidays, Halloween's in 69 days, Thanksgiving 94 days, Christmas 124 days, without a major shutdown of our society, it's going to come through following health guidelines, which include vaccines, masks, social distancing, especially in large crowds. That's the sermon. And that's it for this edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. Join me next time when interviews will include an Anderson County Sheriff's deputy who once tackled Hulk Hogan in the ring, a new regional attraction in Anderson, high school football coaches talking about the season head, and a lot more. But until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. I see trouble.